Fit and Theater of the Words presents The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future. Episode 1, The Lunar Aggregate Company. The sun brightened the gray lunar landscape over the Tycho Crater and into the windows of Terence Wills' apartment in the Sector Station in Dome 35 the Central Administration Building for the Lunar Aggregation for the Recovery of Composite Ore, a.k.a. the Lunar Aggregate Company. Another in a long series of quakes shook the sector station, waking the bushy-haired Wilson. He slowly opened his eyes, realizing what was occurring, and also was aware that the quakes were of short duration. Tensing his facial muscles, he rolled over in his bed next to his lover, Andrea Constantine, the heir on the powder blue sheets. The smooth-skinned woman turned over, partially opening her green eyes and smiling as she saw Wilson. What time is it, Terence? She asked in her soft, slow-speaking voice. Not yet six, babe, he said, listening for the quake. The daughter of Darius Constantine, owner of the Lunar Aggregate Company. The quake stopped. They do seem to be getting longer, though. Did you sleep well, babe? Asked Wilson as he pulled back the sheets and stretched his muscles by the side of the bed. She watched him tighten his brawny frame, and in his undershorts appeared like a fighter in training. He turned, revealing a well-formed chest. Andrea studied him up and down, finally looking into his light brown eyes. When haven't I slept well with you? She smiled as she sat up in bed, keeping her eyes on the self-assured Wilson. He seemed to know that she would answer his question that way as he began his morning exercise. Andrea, clad in a pink nightgown, stepped from the bed and pushed back her long black hair. We have to be at the hangar before eight, he said as he started his push-ups. Andrea crawled back onto the bed, laying on her stomach as she looked down at the huffing Wilson. Terrence, do you really have to go back to Earth again? Wilson looked up at her as he continued his push-ups, his muscles rippling at the seams. It's only two weeks, he said as he finished and sprang back to his feet and then began to run in place. Besides, they might want me to accompany the Earth party. That's not really necessary, and you know it she said as she turned over. Wilson, gazing down at her, stopped his running and sat on the edge of the bed. Slowly, he stroked her hair and then her shoulders as he spoke. Babe, things will be different when I come back. I'm sure of it. Different? (laughs) She laughed as she sat up. How can things be different? Married, babe, answered Wilson. I would like nothing better, but I have to be realistic. My father hates you, Terrence. I'll handle your father. He said, kissing her on the forehead as he rose. I'm 31 years old. It's about time I got married, he added as he walked over to a small kitchenette at the far side of the room. He took a clear container with green crystals from the cabinet and set it on the counter. And just how are you going to handle Darius Constantine? I'd like to hear that, she chuckled. Wilson nixed the crystals in a cup and put it under the tap of boiling water. When it was finished, he shook up the cup to complete the concoction and turned toward Andrea. Just let me take care of it, all right? He said as he sipped on the drink. You shouldn't drink that superin, she scolded, referring to the dark olive liquid in the cup. The combination of wild stimulants with an unmistakable penetrating odor. Besides, you know it makes me sick. I've used it most of my life. Sorry, babe. He said as he guzzled down the superin. Babe, I'm going to use the cleaner, he said as he set the cup on the counter and walked to the room to the left of the bed. The doors to the cleaning room closed. The room had toilet facilities, with all the waste broken down chemically since the water was at a premium on the moon. Showers were non-existent, and cleaning was accomplished by the use of magnetic fields. 
Wilson dabbed some white foam on his face. It was similar to shaving cream, but it had been altered to break down his whiskers during cleaning. He removed his undershorts and stepped onto the cleaner, a round stall with an abrasive cushioned floor. The walls and the ceiling had thousands of mushroom-like pods from which the fields emanated. As he was about to activate the shower, Andrea entered the room, much to his delight. Then he activated the massaging fields. I have only one concern, she said, in the hum of the multicolored light. What's that? he asked. Maybe you think you can handle my father, but can you handle Neville? Andrea's brother, Neville Constantine, was ten floors above them in his office, as he was every morning at that time. He had an unusual penchant for devoting himself fully to the interests of Lunar Aggregate Company. As director of lunar operations, he worked at least 12 hours a day. At the relatively young age of 33, he could sustain this rapid pace, and it would actually give a certain boost to his small physique. Like his older sister, he had rich, dark hair, short and styled with precise neatness several times a week. His eyes were as dark as deep space, with a crafty slyness under his heavy brows. Although he had a rather heavy beard, he used the cleaner twice a day, allowing him a prim, physical appearance. Neville's clothes were only the most elegant fashions of the time. The fabric, like almost every material made by man, was of a special blending of carbon in a carbon-based and a zinc-based alloy in a combination of zambium fibers. Depending on the process of the zambium fibers, they could be harnessed into almost the strongest strength to be woven into fine cloth. His outer coat, called a Ralph's coat, was an extension of a conventional suit coat with a turtleneck that flared upward and brightened depending on the occasion. The turtleneck fitted up to the chin and tucked into a pair of lightly fitting beltless pants tapered into boots with a rather high instep. I do not care for any more of your excuses, Stuart, he said to his aide. I do not mind bringing workers up from Earth. It gives a direct way to realign their thinking away from Earth ways. Well, they were attempting to voice concerns about the food they were getting, said Stuart as he tried to reason with them. The day's work had already been completed. Letting workers discuss their problems on work time is unforgivable, he said as he stood right in front of the taller aide. Maybe they prefer the garbage they're used to on Earth, is that it? They're just used to certain things, objected Stuart as Neville's eyes ignited. Oh, like millions of people per square kilometer, pipelines of decaying proto-mass mixes in that, that wretched, wretched Supron. Do they realize they never had it so good up here? Apparently not, said Stuart. At least listen to them, Neville. Give them some opportunity to voice their grievances. Earth people must learn what's best for them, and they can only do that if we instruct them. Right now they are so crude and will remain in their habitual lifestyles unless they're told what to do. Believe me, Stuart, I know what I'm talking about. They're all reprehensible, Stuart. Darius might deem it wise to talk to them, suggested Stuart. You will not bring this episode to my father's attention. Father has more important things on his mind than Earth representatives swarming all over this sector. A loud beep similar to the paging system of an old-style hospital sounded as Neville finished his words. An almost human-like voice reverberated around the office. It may have been perceived as human, but in reality was a sophisticated form of artificial intelligence called a pewter. 
The name spawned from computer in the subsequent advance to a more automated application. Computers were totally pervasive and essential to life both on the moon and on Earth. On each planet, there was a central computer, which was linked to almost every computer on the planet. Communications, in fact, mundane, everyday functions were all interlocked within this computer system. Mr. Constantine, Mr. Duval has arrived. Very well, allow him to enter, Pewter, ordered Neville. You have your instructions, Stuart. Keep those Earth people in line. Yes, Neville, said Stuart as the doors to the office opened in a diagonal direction. Stuart headed for the doorway as Duval entered. Stuart, said the crew cut Duval. Elmer, returned Stuart as he passed him and left the room. Neville walked over to the Puda tournament, which served as his desk. He leaned back in the chair with a smug look on his face. Puda, engage sound systems, Neville told the machine. Instantly, an invisible barrier surrounded the room, preventing anyone from listening to their conversation. Well, Elmer, you've arrived, so to speak. I trust everything is proceeding on schedule. It's proceeding at a rapid pace and quite uh, anonymously, of course. I'm sorry I haven't been available for the past week. I've been busy with the Earth Party, said Neville as Duval sat down. Are they at all suspicious? asked Duval. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, the whole contingent leaves the hangar in less than two hours. They'll be gone and forgotten. I suppose, said Duval with a devious grin. You wish to know the latest figures? Yes, yes. Uh, how many offensive spacecrafts have we assembled since last week? Let's just say we'll reach uh, power with the number on Earth ships within the next few weeks, said Duval, still grinning. A pity that the illustrious Mr. Rimvoli isn't around to see how useful his discovery has been to us, observed Neville. I'm glad he isn't. That massive heart attack. Yes, yes, his death leaves us free to operate, said Neville. Neville, may I speak freely? Off the record, asked Duval. Proceed, said Neville, waving his hand through the air. Like you, I think control of Earth is a highly desirable goal, but I, th I think you should be uh, more aggressive. Just showing force won't scare Earth. Command of Asheron tells me that we could knock out all of Earth's defenses in a few hours. Ah, Vashon, if I listened to everything he said, everyone would be dead. Elmer, I don't want any more discussion of what you or Vashon think. I will go ahead what I have already planned. I am the one you listen to. Not Vashon, he said as Peter sounded. Yes, what is it? An impatient visitor demands to come inside said the pewter. I am involved in a conference pewter. Tell him... It is Rip Neely. Oh, said Neville as he arose. Send him in, Elmer. I'll be out to see you and Vashon later this afternoon. Well, I have to go out and check the cargo transport anyway, said Duval. Neville arose and put his hand on Duval's shoulder. Hang in there, Elmer. We'll have a full review of the entire program this afternoon he said as the shabby Neely came through the opening doors. Mr. Constantine, Mr. Constantine, he yelled, disturbing Neville. Will you hang on one second, Rip? He said as he shook his head. I'll tell Vashon you're coming, said Duval as he left the room, the voices inside vanishing as he passed through the sound screen. 
All right, Rip, what is it? Asked Neville as the door is closed. Yes, said Neville, whose low tolerance for the ruddy Neely was surpassed only by his ability to get useful information. Oh, I think you'll like this one. You always said that... Will you just tell me what you found out? I haven't got all day. All day, yeah. Well, rumbled Neely. Well, your understudy. Wilson? Desmond spoke quickly. Is he with my sister again? Spent the night, said Neely as his eyes lit up. I have just about had it with their gallivanting, he exclaimed, taking a deep breath. If my father had any idea, he can't stand the sight of Wilson. A little prejudice there? A lot of prejudice there. He'd kill him, said Neely. Where are they now, Rip? In his apartment. Will I get extra benefits? Asked Neely, as benefits were the value of goods an individual could re- receive from the computers, an allowance according to work paid by the month. Yes, yes, I shall instruct the computers to give you your extra amount. Now go and keep this to yourself. Computer, open the door for Mr. Neely. Maybe I should just tag along, said Neely as he followed Neville to the doors. You try my patience, shouted Neville as his whole body seemed to quiver with pent-up anger. Now get out! Yes, sir! Yes, sir! He said, nodding his head as he scampered out ahead of Neville. Join us next week for the next exciting episode of The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth, by Robert P. Fitton. Presented by Fitton Theatre of the Word.